This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hi, I'm Anthony Montgomery, Ensign Travis Mayweather on Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Warp 5, our dedicated Enterprise show. I'm Christopher Jones, and joining me this week is Suzanne Abbott. Suzanne, welcome to the NX01. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, great to have you. Now, Suzanne, you're a new voice here on the network. You joined us recently on the Ready Room to talk about Voyager and Janeway a little bit. And I know that you are a big fan of the never realized Janeway to Cote relationship. It's canon in the books, Chris. It's <laughs> canon in the books. And it was always canon in your head. And in my heart. <laughs> That's right. So I asked you what topic you would want to talk about related to Enterprise. And of course, you went straight for the romance. And so I, I feel like I should open the show with the theme from The Love Boat Or as they called it on Phineas and Ferb, the ship of romance. That's awesome. (laughs) Maybe Andrew Allen has a smooth jazz version of the love boat theme. (laughs) I'll have to go look for that. But no, you said, let's talk about Archer and Hernandez, the captain of the NX-02 Columbia. And I thought that why don't we expand that and talk about Archer's lost loves because he never really settled down. And I guess the basis for you in bringing that up was just the idea that in Star Trek, the writers have always shied away from having the captain be in a real relationship, Uh, certainly Mm -hmm. not with a crew member or a fellow Starfleet officer, but really with anyone. Yeah, nothing long-term whatsoever, except for Cisco. He's the one exception to the rule. Yeah, he's the exception, and and that's actually why when I did the outline for the show today, I didn't write his name down. You know, I wrote Kirk, Picard, and Janeway mm -hmm. down for a few topics, but I left Cisco out because he was the married man, then he was a widow, a father, and the only relationship we saw him get involved in, in, not in the Mirror Universe, of course, where he, Mm -hmm. in the Mirror Universe, he slept with... The Intendant (laughs) with Jadzia and with Jennifer all in the same episode. Oh, yeah. He was a busy man. (laughs) He was. But Prime Timeline, Prime Universe Cisco, was very devoted to Jennifer and then to Cassidy. And that was that. Yes. Well, Well, let's start by just talking about captains in love in general in Star Trek. And we can talk there about Kirk. Uh, We just talked about Cisco could also talk about mm-hmm. Picard and Janeway. How do you feel about this, watching Star Trek over the years? Uh, watching over the years, uh, starting with Kirk, he was he was a bad boy. Let's just put it that way. He was always doing his um, interstellar booty calls. And the only one I could really ever see him with was the one that he had to let die, which would be Edith Keeler. Right. So you could see that being a long-term relationship, Kirk and Edith Keeler? without a doubt. I only saw that episode once. I don't think I could ever, ever watch it again. It broke my heart so bad. Yeah, it's a very touching episode. So you saw it as booty calls, flying around the galaxy. Oh, yeah. For booty calls, because our friend John Tenuto, who has studied the original series, uh, especially Space Seed and the Wrath of Khan and all in great depth. Mm-hmm. He he will argue that point with you that 
the idea of Kirk as a Lothario is sort of a fabrication of of pop culture over the years. That if you really look at it, every time that Kirk made out with or slept with an alien woman, it was actually done for the safety of the ship or the mission. So he prostituted himself then? No, no. He had to do it in order uh-huh. to to save the ship. I mean, if you look at the Romulan commander in the Enterprise incident, I mean, his mission mm-hmm. was to steal a cloaking device. Uh, if you look at Shana in the Gamesters of Triskelion, he was trying to get information to get them back to the Enterprise. And he couldn't have gotten that any other way. Well, come on. It was a Lady Gaga in space. What was he going to do? <laughs> and what was he she going to do? He could have got her a meat suit and put her in it. I don't know. <laughs> so, that, so that's how you saw Kirk, right? Well, Very what do you think so. about Kirk and Carol Marcus, like when you get to the Wrath of Khan and that timeline? Uh, I, I didn't see any chemistry between them. I guess I don't know if it was more than a one-night hookup. Well, that, they have a son together. Well, that could happen in one night. It could. Yeah, that is how it works, right? <laughs> Usually. <laughs> well, what about Picard? You know, Picard was very standoffish. There was that off and on, you know, that tension with Beverly. Beverly. But then, otherwise, who did we see him with, really? I mean, Vash. Vash. <laughs> yeah, and, um, oh, that Beverly lookalike. What was her name? Nella. Yeah. Science officer. Yeah, Commander Darren, yeah. Yeah. Well, they got to play I'm, sweet music together in the Jeffries tubes. Mm-hmm. Sweet music, yes. It's <laughs> <sighs> a lot but of romance in those Jeffries much, tubes. She looked too much like Beverly. It freaked me out. Did you think so? Yeah. Yes. If I was in, an, like in the kitchen and watching the episode, not really paying attention to who's on the screen and glanced that way, I thought it was Beverly. Well, doesn't that just show that Picard has a type? Yes, but he should act on the tr- the true true person. Go for Beverly. Come on. So I mean, you so you wanted in- Beverly and Picard to be together on the show. Oh yes. Oh yes. Let even me ask you this question. They had the chance, and she pushed him away during Attached, and that oh, yeah. I screamed at my TV. I still scream. Well, at I the mean, TV. I can I can kind of see where it's a touchy thing. For them, it's and I can mm-hmm. certainly see from Picard's point of view, especially because Picard feels responsible for the death of Jack Crusher, and I know he could never see himself feeling like he had to put his his love, the love of his life or his wife, if they were to get married, in that kind of danger by having to send her on a mission where she could be killed as a member of but his crew. He, he already has those feelings in his heart. Yeah, but he can separate it because they're not really together. I mean, it's I I know it's it's not accurate. I mean, the feelings are the feelings are obviously there, Mm -hmm. but at least in his mind, he could justify it and say that well, she's just an officer on my ship. Mm. You Uh, couldn't if you were the captain. No, no, I couldn't. I couldn't be. I couldn't separate my feelings for people like that. Not at all. Let me ask you this question about Picard and Beverly. Do you think if The Next Generation were written, certainly today, but if it had been written in the 2000s like Enterprise or even Mm -hmm. in the mid-90s like Deep Space Nine, and I know some of the episodes were written in the mid-90s because there is the overlap with Deep Space Nine, but I mean if the show were created with that mid-90s sensibility moving forward, do you think it would have been different? Do you think the writers might have gone there? I doubt it. They just seem to be stuck in that a captain can only be committed to and completely love his ship. That's it. All right. Well, that's what they say about Kirk, right? He already has a woman and her name is Enterprise. Yes. But but you're saying that he can always have a few extra on the side. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did. All right. Well, Well, he did, yeah. Well, let's move on to Voyager before we jump fully into enterprise here as oh, i said up ahead, front break my heart your your twitter profile actually says jc shipper janeway yes, Chicote shipper okay tell us how you feel 
You have to gather yourself a little bit before I do. I do. I mean, we learned that she had a fiance, so she could obviously love someone, but she couldn't love Chakotay. Why? I don't know. They gave her a hologram. She could manipulate him to look similar to Chakotay. And then, you know, Jaffin and Kashik and all those yeah. one-time incidents. But I, Do you think it's because it, Chakotay never baked her a pecan pie? It could be. <laughs> but, it, but it brings me back to Picard. He could date someone that was under his command. Why couldn't she? Well, see, that's the thing. I, I don't think that it's necessarily that Janeway didn't have feelings for Chakotay or love Chakotay, but she was a captain who was determined that she was going to keep that barrier. I mean, she was she was less standoffish with her crew than Picard was. Yeah. But when it came to something like that, that kind of relationship, I felt that was just a line that she was determined she wasn't going to cross, no matter how much she may internally want to do that. She was stupid. The man built her a bathtub. Come on. That's right. Maybe he didn't bake you a pecan pie, Kathy. But he <laughs> built you a bathtub, which takes a lot more work. Yes. All right. Well, let's move into the Enterprise part here, because, of course, this is our Enterprise show. So for the rest of the show, we're going to talk about Captain Archer. And there are, there's, of course, only four seasons of Enterprise, so we don't have a whole lot of material here. But there are four key relationships that I pulled out. And the first one is something we never saw on screen. It's just something we heard reference to in Twilight. And that's Archer and Margaret Mullen. Now, when Archer was in flight school in San Francisco, he was 24 years old. This was in the year 2136. He was in a relationship with a woman named Margaret Mullen. And they became very, very close. And the night before he graduated, he actually popped the question. He proposed to Margaret and she turned him down because she said that she did not want to become a Starfleet widow. And I can understand that. But I I wonder if this event and him being turned down and remembering what she said, I wonder if that plays into his approach to relationships down the road and why he's still, I feel hesitant to get too involved with Captain Mm -hmm. Hernandez, who we'll talk about later on in, in more depth. Do do, would that impact him? Do you think? I think it might play into his hesitation a little bit. um, Perhaps by just bringing up memories of his mother and having to raise him alone after his dad died of um, Clark's disease. Just understanding where Margaret could be coming from with saying that. Yeah. Doesn't want to be a Starfleet widow, but maybe it's not all that encompassing because he did um, have another girlfriend after that, uh, Caroline, Mm -hmm. who moved away to um, New Berlin. And he just was so upset that he had to go drown his sorrows. Yeah. So he yeah, was kind of committed to her in, or, in order to be so upset to do that. Right, right. Well, and I think that shows how he, after a few experiences like that, then he sort of became standoffish. Mm-hmm. And the only real situation, now I know a lot of fans wanted to see Archer and T'Pol together, and the writers seem to be setting that up a little bit early on. Uh, they they really have fun with it in A Night in Sick Bay. But there yeah. are even moments in like the catwalk where they're up there and Archer's watching water polo on his iPad and he's bothering <laughs> to pull. And they're almost like kind of like an odd couple there. And, mm-hmm. and they have fun with it there too. But they never really go anywhere with that. And I never really wanted to see that one myself. And we'll talk about that more soon. But Hernandez was a case where... Like, they could have really built on that. But but I feel like he was standoffish there, too. And I don't know if the Starfleet Widow part comes in there or not, but definitely they're I, both in the, in the line of danger. Yeah, I think he was just a little standoffish with Hernandez just due to the fact of what he just went through 
with the Zindi. And okay, well, that'll be interesting. So we'll talk about that more when we get to Hernandez herself, because definitely the role she played in the post Zindi arc for Archer is really mm-hmm. important. So, so there's Margaret, there's Caroline, as you mentioned, and then on screen in Civilization, we see Archer become temporarily involved with Rian, who is an oh, Akali yes. pharmacist. They go down to this planet. It's a very much a TOS style story with some TNG flavor to it as well, I think. But they go down to this planet and they find out that the uh, water supply is being poisoned and mm-hmm. he's going to help them. And of course, Rian is a scientist. She's a pharmacist. So naturally, there's this connection there. Uh, there's a lot of fun with the Universal Translator in that episode too and how they oh, yes. you know, start to communicate at first. But he gets romantically involved with her, but it's temporary because they're going to leave. And so it feels very much like one of Kirk's little TOS trysts to me. It was very reminiscent of that and just even the attitudes of everyone. But definitely with when the Universal Translator goes out and just spontaneously kisses her because he doesn't know what else to do. <laughs> that was great. Which is something Kirk would have done, right? Oh, absolutely. Although I don't think he would have waited for a translator to go out. It would have just been like, <laughs> this seems like a good idea for right now. Okay. <laughs> How did you feel, I mean, as the as the romantic and you're, and you're looking for these relationships in Star Trek and, and, and I sense from you, you know, you're looking for the, the serious meaningful relationship in Star Trek did that was early on in enterprise. Did that yes. bother um, you? Did you feel like, Oh, Oh, they're going to make Archer kind of like a Lothario. I was worried that they were going to, but it didn't happen very often. So I could, I could let them get away with one episode. It was lighthearted. I mean, a few kisses, right. that was it. Yeah. Do you see this, mirroring anything with the other captains the the one that comes to mind for me in the next generation with picard which it's not the same because they do meet several times but the relationship with avash yeah it it is reminiscent of that he had more chemistry with that 300 year old baku woman from insurrection than now, he had they with did have chemistry though yes anish yes yes that was her name but they were a good match. Like Anij and Picard were, I say they're a good match. I mean, you know, people say opposites attract, right? Mm-hmm. Anij and Picard were not opposites. I think they probably shared a lot in their Yeah, they were quite similar. And, yeah. So you can see how they would quickly come together as they did in Insurrection. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if it would have lasted. You know, I mean, Picard does have... 8 million days of shore leave coming up. <laughs> and apparently he never took any of them to go back and see Anish as he promised. But, uh, but, well, but I don't know. I'm kind of with you. <laughs> I'm kind of with you with, with Picard and Vash though. I think that was the case of opposites attract. That was the case of like, she really, except for her interest in archeology. span mm-hmm. Other that than that, it. they were very dissimilar people. That and she used him. Well, that's what she does. I know, but he knew that and he was still like, okay with it. That seemed well, so out you know, of character. Riker had, Riker had encouraged him to go have some fun. Never listen to Will Riker when it comes to women. <laughs> ever. That's your advice to people? Yes. It's just a bad idea. The man. Oh, no, 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 no. Will Riker, well, bad idea. What about a post-nemesis Will Riker who's married to Troy and, of course, they go off together on the Titan? Still never listen to Will Riker when it comes to women. All right. All right. You have a T-shirt that says that, don't you? I could have one made instantly, yes. <laughs> what about Janeway? Now, Janeway, she had her share of Kirk-like little trysts on planets oh. that they stopped off on. One of them, she wasn't in her right mind. Okay, which one was that? Oh, uh, that was Workforce with Jaffin. Okay, I'll give you that, yeah. They manipulated what about her Mr. Memory. Creepy, though, with the oh, pecan pie? Oh, no, not Prime Factors, dude. Oh. oh, it's not at all pleasurable to talk about him or think <laughs> about him. 
Yeah. All right. So, so this early uh, bit here in civilization with Archer and Rion reminded mm-hmm. me of of all these different ones in the past uh, that we've talked about. But that, but but they didn't really go back to that. It did not become a recurring theme with Archer. It was sort of like, let's try this, and then okay, maybe then let's not do that anymore. Yeah. yeah. Archer and Topol. This is the Enterprise equivalent of Janeway Chakotay. No. no Did no, you no. ever want to see them together? You just no. answered my question preemptively, didn't you? <laughs> they had no chemistry like that. No. Yeah, just... Mm. What do you see in it, though, as a romantic, the idea that this man who hates the Vulcans mm-hmm. and hates what they did to his father, how he sees that they um, harmed his father's lifelong work and held humans back. And then there's a Vulcan who has a distaste for humans as well at the beginning of the series. The potential, though, like of those two sides coming together, and, and they do come together in friendship. I mm-hmm. love the scene. It's one of the few redeeming qualities of These Are the Voyages. But I love the scene at the end before Archer is going to go out and give the speech. The hug. Where they're backstage. I mean, the hug just to pull, you know, yeah. straightening his tie. You can see how far they've come from where they started in that scene in Broken Bow, mm-hmm. where the Vulcans come in and and they have Clang over there in the on the biobed. Just just looking at it as as romantic though. I mean, is isn't there something there for you, the idea of the two of them coming together? Nothing more than just friendship. I, d- I don't see T'Pol being able to give him as much emotional support as he would he would need. It's even after her drug addiction. Uh, yes, it's yeah. Ah, she just creeps me out sometimes, and I think it's the non-emotion thing. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Although I thought Jolene Blaylock did a good job, especially after the Trillium D addiction mm-hmm. of playing a Vulcan who really was emotionally conflicted and trying to come to terms with it. It was a different spin on Vulcans, certainly. Oh, definitely. But that was well after they were trying to do the whole pushing them yeah, together. Right. Yeah, definitely. Did, just quickly, did the trip to pole relationship bother you in the same way? Not really. And, and I mean, I didn't like it that much, but I could deal with it. Just because Trip was sort of whatever happens, happens. Yeah. He was just in, in for the fun of it. And then he got hooked and she got married. Yeah. Yeah. What about A Night in Sick Bay, where they have the dream sequences of Archer and T'Pol? And, you, and it sort of comes out that, that Archer maybe does have some sort of, I'm not going to say feelings, but maybe mm-hmm. sexual attraction that he's trying to keep under wraps. And it's sort of coming uh, out there. Or it could just be that Phlox, you know, planted that in his subconscious. I don't necessarily think that was what was in his mind at that point. Okay. Somebody could make a suggestion to you during the day, you go to sleep, have yeah. a dream about it. It's like the way I dream about editing audio at night because I do it so long during the day. That Isn't my that a nightmare? Based on that as well. <laughs> when I was in university, uh, I would dream about SimCity and oh, Tetris. My Tetris! Night. That's my game. <laughs> oh. Man, but, but but I love it from a writing standpoint. I thought the writers had a really fun time playing around with the whole Archer to Paul idea in that episode. Oh, it was a fun, fun episode. All right. Well, let, let's move on to the, the meat of the discussion here. Archer and Hernandez. Yay! So this one is, you, you have to pay attention to the backstory, of this, because of course, on screen we see Hernandez and, and we see them together, but they were actually dating in the twenty one forties, and when we see them come back later, that's twenty one fifty four, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. So they were dating back in the twenty one forties, which is four years after 
Margaret Mullen. Well, it's more than four years after Margaret Mullen because that was 2136. So during the 2140s, but Archer became her superior officer. And so he pulled the plug on this, or at least that's what he said. You know, there's always two sides to that story. I Mm -hmm. don't know, you know. Yeah, because she even asked him, why did we ever break up? Mm -hmm. So so maybe, maybe it was him, not her who pulled the plug, you know. You know, people always say, she broke up with me. I broke yeah. up with her. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wasn't dumped. What's the truth here? <laughs> but as we go through the show, we see them again. Of course, they're building the Columbia, the NXO2. Mm-hmm. And after the Zindi arc, which really, really changed Archer as a person. Yes. There's Erica Hernandez. And... I think she played a really important part in in helping him through in in home, you know, which is mm-hmm. for me it's like family for the next generation. You have the whole thing with the Borg and then you have family. And yeah. they kind of unwind, although it's too quick. Uh here they take a little bit more time to unwind after the Zindi arc. What did you see there with with Hernandez and Archer after that? Well, just with her um pushing him just to be around her. You shouldn't go climbing by yourself. You know that. It's like, won't you just leave me alone? And she keeps following him. And just, it helps him to heal. Just mm-hmm. having someone to listen or, or even just be there for him. So why didn't he go find Margaret Mullen or Caroline? I don't know, because we never saw them on screen. I can't extrapolate on that. Yeah, it's just Hernandez was spunky. She wasn't going to take any guff from him. She'd stand up to him. And I think that's what he needed. Maybe that's what you feel, especially after you've been a captain and you've been on the ship, right? Like you, you're always in command and mm-hmm. everyone's always looking up to you. And so maybe... When it comes to a romantic relationship, you are looking for that person who takes you out of that. Is on equal footing with you. Yeah. Yeah. And and maybe that's, again, why you, you don't see as many Starfleet officers, certainly those high up the ladder, mm-hmm. dating other Starfleet officers, at least not seriously. And it turns out badly, too. I mean, you look at people like Jeremy Astor in the bonding on the next generation where Mm -hmm. his father had already been killed. Now his mother is killed. Um, You look at, at someone like Naomi Wildman on Voyager where again, you know, she's lost her father, then she's going to lose her mother. It's sort of a bad idea, right? To be romantically involved and, and married when you're both officers. But bad things can happen on earth too. It's just the luck of the draw. What's going to happen is going to happen. Why not? They can explore romance and be happy while you can on a ship of love. Yeah, <laughs> I would argue, though, Suzanne, that on Earth, especially twenty second, twenty third, twenty fourth century Earth, I think it's a little bit safer than deep space. Uh, Dominion War, right? But but I'd rather be on Earth during the Dominion War than on Bajor. I, I don't think I'd want to be on Bajor at any time. Why not? It's beautiful. They have great spring wine there. It's Susan. too close to Cardassia. Yeah, but it's beautiful countryside. And, and of course, if you don't like the planet, you can go to one of the many moons, which also has a lush <laughs> environment. <laughs> and just, giant spiders. I will go hang out on Vulcan because I can't deal with spiders. <laughs> But it's so dusty on Vulcan. You know, I I used to live in Nevada, and I know what it's like mm-hmm. to actually have dust around all the time. Oh, yeah. And I lived that in was Las enough. Vegas. Did you? Yeah. Desert landscaping. Don't have to mow it. I lived in Reno, high desert, and it was just, yeah. So I don't know if I'd want to live on Vulcan. Although they do have great wine there as well. <laughs> it's all about the wine, isn't it? It's all about the wine, yes. Well, whoever the has the best beer, I'll be there. Okay. Just don't go to Faringanar. They have Sluggo no. Cola. No. All right. 
Okay, so Hernandez, they, they do get together though. They they are there on the mountain. They go they go hiking and and then you know, they do rekindle their romance for a while. Mm-hmm. And I I think what helps Archer there a little bit is the fact that Hernandez is promoted to captain of the Columbia. And so the whole rank he can't use the rank excuse anymore. Yes. He'll have to find another excuse, which I'm sure he would have. Interesting. It seems like you 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 feel like Archer is really trying to dodge the romance. Not dodge so much, it's just he's unsure of himself in that in that regard. He can be a starship captain, but a guy in love, mm, I don't know about that. I can see that, yeah. Do you feel like that's true of, of men in general, though? Not in general. No, a, a lot of guys are more romantic than you would think. Just from my experience, like, anyway. Like Riker. He can be very romantic. Oh, Riker, that, oh, that's not romantic. <laughs> that's, that's hormonal. Yeah, I don't know. I think Riker's got a little... I mean, I'm not going to argue the hormonal part with you, but I <laughs> I think he's got a little of a romantic streak in him as well. A little bit, perhaps. Who else on the Enterprise in one has a romantic streak? You know, Reed. Reed is just worried that everyone's going to pair off and he's going to be left by himself. <laughs> um, I would say... Out of all of them, I could see Flocks being the most romantic. I could see that, yeah. In in, in a triple dose, in fact. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what about, we didn't see this on screen, but I feel like Travis would have probably been pretty smooth with the ladies. Smooth, but in an understated, quiet kind of way. Yeah, yeah I could see that. Not Not all up in your face about it. Right. He's not going to be in your face about it. And then Trip, of course, we know he does something that even Kirk never did. He goes off and gets pregnant with alien women. <laughs> I forgot all about that. A box of pebbles is not very romantic, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> yeah. I- How can you forget about that? It has one of Flox's greatest lines <laughs> where he says, that is a nipple. <laughs> i think i just tried to block it out from the sheer absurdity of it at at that point but also one of connor crenier's best performances where he's eating because he's pregnant and he tells chef he hands chef the plate it's like i'd love some more of this (laughs) and he thinks everyone's whispering about him behind his back they were (laughs) <laughs> they were, right? <laughs> well, okay, if you were going to write the Archer-Hernandez relationship starting from home after the Zindi arc moving mm-hmm. forward, okay, what would you do? You're the writer. Okay. I would have them keep in communication, um, but not something that's so like obvious. Just name names dropping here and there from each of them just throughout a season a mention of him a mention of her so romantic name dropping that's going to be a plot point (laughs) (laughs) it's a different kind of name dropping yes okay all right but just back and forth but nothing overt to to let the viewer wonder "Mm, really what's going on they can expound in their imagination and then perhaps the next season have them both end up on earth for some reason and just have a little vacation time together. Just, just keep it understated, but still a little romance. And then moving beyond that, I mean, would you want to see in a Star Trek series, would you want to see them grow together over the course of a few seasons and actually, and maybe be married and be the the two captains Absolutely. of the first two warp five ships are married. Absolutely. Why not? I, I am curious when when we talk about this and 
we think about the things we get out of Star Trek and what the writers are trying to convey. And of course, there's often a message that it's about the times. I mean, the time that the show is written. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you did this, what does it give the viewer in terms of a message about relationships? That you can have a satisfying, productive career and still be able to have a, a home life, mm-hmm. so to speak, because they'd both be off doing their ship things on different ships, yeah. but they would still have a committed relationship and still be able to give everything to their job. Yeah, and that's a good point. And it's different than O'Brien and Keiko, right? Because Miles and Keiko have that, and they have the family life, but of course they're on a station, and they're and they're stationary, and Keiko's not a Starfleet officer. And Yeah, but even when they were on the Enterprise, I mean, neither one of them was in, in charge of everybody and everything, right. and all this yeah. stress and pressure. But being able to deal well, with all that and, and still have a love life, a personal life, that's something that everybody deals with. Yeah, it, it's very, very true. Yeah. And it's especially hard when you're at the top, right? And you're the captain. Yes. So so that would answer one question I had in creating the outline for the show today, which was just how would how would that break new ground for Star Trek? And I guess it is that with the exception of Cisco, mm-hmm. Star Trek really hasn't shown us that a leader and a captain can have what you just described, a relationship and a family life, and, and be committed that way and still do their job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just showed us that a captain is committed to his ship or her ship, and that is their one true love. It's like, why couldn't they still have that commitment and that love for the ship and its crew, but also have the love for a spouse or a partner? Very true. So these relationships, if if we go backwards and we kind of retcon previous series a little bit, or just mm-hmm. what what we change what would have happened in them. So if Picard and Beverly had been together, if Janeway and Chakotay had been together, I'd be so it happy. Have, it would have enhanced the show for you. Yes, depending on how they played it out. Yeah, if it was too over the top. Then no. And what if Kirk and Shauna had, you know, gotten serious and Shauna had come back to the Enterprise and, you know, they they had been a couple? Would, would that have made the original series better for you? It would have made it different. I don't, I don't know that I can see... I don't know that I can see Kirk with anybody. And that's sad because he was my first love. But, yeah... You know, I actually think you're right in not being able to see Kirk with anyone. Now, my favorite Kirk is the movie Kirk. I like I like the movie Kirk much better than the original series Kirk, although I like both. Mm-hmm. I like the movie Kirk better because he is older and wiser. And up front, we did talk about Carol Marcus a little bit. Yes. And the Wrath of Khan and kind of their past relationship. And, but, but yeah, I, I can, he obviously... He comes to love David. I think mm-hmm. it's sort of he realizes what he missed out on by not having a family uh, with Carol and David. But yeah, I can't I can't really see him settling down with Carol either. Yeah. It would have to be one spectacular, spectacular woman to come along to just be yeah. able to for me to accept that. And with Kirk, with movie Kirk, it's not because I think like he wants to fly around and sleep with lots of alien women like oh, no. you typically think of with TOS. It's just that I think it's hard for him to open up to someone and it would just be hard. The whole relationship would be difficult for him to maintain just because of his nature. Well, he was trying to in the voyage home, but then she's like, uh, no, I got to catch up on some history. So see you later. <laughs> Yeah, but they had only known each other for just a short while. And and I think that was a little bit of the hormonal thing that we've talked about (laughs) going on right there. Could be, could be. All right. Well, do you have any final thoughts on Archer, Archer and Hernandez, Archer and anyone else, and then just romance in Star Trek in general? 
I do have a thought about Picard. Just something that would have been humorous for me to see in, say, let's say Q shows up, Loxana's there. Q wants to really get on Picard's nerves, so he sticks Picard and Loxana together. That just would have been hilarious for me. <laughs> that would have been that interesting. Would, would have been awesome. What if attached, instead of being Picard and Beverly, <laughs> it was Picard and Loxana? <laughs> that. That would just be too comical, and I don't think I could make it through the whole episode. Although I would, because Majel Barrett was amazing. Yeah. I will say with Lawaxana, though, one, it's it's not really a romantic relationship. But Lawaxana and Odo is the most bizarre pairing that you could possibly think of mm-hmm. that works really well. Lawaxana's three episodes on DS9 are like her three greatest character appearances in in between the next generation DS9 and when she's trapped in the turbo lift with Odo oh and like, she takes off her wig and really opens up yeah. about the fact that this whole Waxana Troy thing is an act and yeah. and why she does it and that was a great touching relationship in Star Trek, and, and it involved Loaxana Troy, of all people. I love Loaxana, even though she's kind of crazy. And they do follow up on that, by the way, in the books, in the Slings and Arrows series, oh. which fills in the gap between Generations and First Contact. It's sort of the, the shakedown cruise of the Enterprise E. Okay, I haven't we, read that. we see it on screen. Yeah. Interestingly, the one of the books is... It's almost a DS9 story because it's actually a sequel to that. And it involves the Waxana and and even Odo comes into play. I will have to check those out. So there you go. So romance in Star Trek, you'd like to see more of it. Yes. Long-term committed relationships. And in the next Star Trek series, which we will eventually get. Oh, I hope so. Are you hoping to see the captain married or at least in a relationship with someone on the crew? That would be wonderful. I would love that. Although I, I really hope that the next series is more uh, Starfleet Academy. Okay. Well, so then you're going to have like sleepovers in the frat house. No. And, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> now we know what kind of show Suzanne's no. looking for. It is not Animal House Star Trek version. No. Although that, that could be interesting as well. You know, they have great parties over at the Vulcan compound. That's what I've always heard. (laughs) Klingons have the better parties. Come on. Well, I don't think anyone can deny that. (laughs) All right. Well, Suzanne, thanks for joining me today on Warp 5. It was great having you on to talk about romance. And if if people want to find you online and talk about Star Trek and romance. If all the Janeway Chicote shippers out there want to find you as well, find and and I swear, please. we're gonna pull out that that fanfic that you wrote in the past. We're gonna get that back out there in <sighs> circulation. Oh, maybe one day after I proof it all and rewrite it. Ugh, yeah. And go. I said that. No, no, I no. I'm gonna scratch that out. No, 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 no. You can find me on Twitter at Suzanne Abbott. All right. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Thank you, Chris. It was fun. I had a great time. Well, it's been fun talking about Archer the Romantic today with Suzanne, but this is just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. So here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. DC Fontana. The jeans and everybody saw what she could do and they allowed her to transcend the role of secretary much much as peggy in mad men earl gray saucer separation and usually it's it's said very dramatically the star drive section only <laughs> what like they left half the ship where is it? Uh, the other half will come on tuesday could it be in a pocket dimension i don't even know you left space stock without a saucer the ready room hold on Jerry Taylor wrote the book on Janeway. Literally, she wrote the book on Janeway and she reinforced that ideal and that history and even made Mosaic canon because she could. The Orb. 
Imagining an Abrams vs. DS9. I feel like that would be the arc of the first season would be what are the wormhole aliens? Are they aliens? Are they gods? You know, are they, they smoke powers? monsters? Are they smoke monsters? Is that them around the corner there? Why is there a polar bear on the station? <laughs> to the journey! Top 5 Voyager action sequences. Of course, I want you to do your Kate Mulgrew impression of her last words in the episode. <laughs> Time's up. <laughs> that has to be your best one yet. Oh, thank you. Warp 5. Romulans on Enterprise. I think even in Kirshara, the, the Romulans might be thinking, like, we need to infiltrate the Vulcans. We need to bring them back to our side so we can nip this in the bide and make sure that this growing alliance doesn't happen. Commentary, Trek stars. Nemetric Part 1, Trek. This is actually the one episode where I enjoy Neelix when he's being annoying. But then also, uh, he gets a little something-something with the Klingon ladies. <laughs> Melodic treks. Because it is literally these two sips playing hide-and-seek in the nebula, but all the way through the music is, is, is there. It, it's, it's keeping you rooted to the, what's going on, and it's just a major and integral part of what is going on on the screen. Literary treks. Bones chooses a, about being either a healer or a Starfleet officer. And he chooses in this situation to be a Starfleet officer. And it kind of... not easily. No, 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 no. Easily no. Oh, no, no, not at all. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all of these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. You can find them pretty much anywhere you get your podcast. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune. We're now on Spreaker and BlackBerry, and also on Swell, which is the Pandora for podcasts. So check out the Swell app. It's a great way not only to listen to our shows, but to discover new podcasts from others that maybe you haven't heard before. Of course, you can also stream and get the RSS feed from our website and pop that feed, that link, into your favorite podcatcher. While you're on iTunes, be sure to visit our new home in the iTunes store, where you'll find our dedicated artist page. It's a great way to find the wealth of content that we have for you, almost a thousand episodes, in fact. And the quickest way to get there is just to go to iTunes.com slash TrekFM. And if you enjoy the show while you're there, please leave us a rating and a star review. We love to hear from you, and it also helps other Star Trek fans find Warp 5 as they're searching the iTunes store. Now, if you're streaming this show from our website, you can have it delivered directly to your device of choice by subscribing to the Warp 5 show feed or the Trek FM Complete Master Feed, which contains every episode of every show and some special audio content as well that you can only get there. So you'll find that in iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn, and it'll be coming to other outlets soon. Of course, the dedicated Warp 5 show feed is available in all the places that I listed just a moment ago. Now, we would love to chat with you about Enterprise, about Archer and his ladies, whatever you want to talk about. You can send us mail by going to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send to a show and choose Warp 5, and that will come to us by email. You can find us on Twitter under username TrekFM, on Facebook at facebook.com slash TrekFM, on Google+. Our brand page is plus TrekFM, but we'd really like you to come over and join our community. The URL is really long, so just go to your little pull-down menu there, go to communities, search trek.fm, and you'll find us right away. If you prefer traditional forums, we have those as well. Those are at trek.fm slash forums, so come join in the conversation there. If you'd like to find me, you can find me on Twitter. My username is C. Brian Jones. That's the letter C and Brian with a Y. You can find me pretty much everywhere in social media under that same username, as well as on my personal website at cbrianjones.com. And then elsewhere on the network, I do quite a few shows. I do Literary Treks with Matthew Rushing, where we talk Star Trek books and comics and interview authors. Matthew and I do The Orb together, which is all about Deep Space Nine, a lot like this show right here. Continuing Mission is about fan films, and I interview the people who create those. There's also Matterstream, interviews about the world inspired by Star Trek, and The Ready Room, which I host along with other hosts from all around the network every week, and we talk about Star Trek news and all five live-action Star Trek series there. There's also Hyper Channel, which is our daily news show. It's very short, 
about 12 minutes long, and each day I bring you some of the top stories in the world of Star Trek. Before I let you go, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor for today's show, Audible.com. They are the best source for audiobooks that you'll find online. They have over 150,000 titles for you to choose from right now, with new titles coming every week, hundreds of new titles, in fact. And as a Trek FM listener, we have a special offer for you. You can get a free audiobook of your choice just for trying Audible. They have new releases, bestsellers, lots of classics, Lots of Star Trek books as well, like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, which are three of my favorites. And also they have just about any genre that you can think of. So go check that out. I know if you love podcasts, you're going to love Audible. And as I said, you can get a free audiobook of your choice. And there's nothing to lose because if at the end of the trial you decide not to stick with Audible, you get to keep that book. But I'm very confident that if you love podcasts, you're going to love audiobooks. So go get your free book, audibletrial.com slash trekafilm. That helps us keep Warp 5 coming to you every week. And we really thank Audible for their support of the show and the network. One more thing we would love for you to check out is Andrew Allen's album, Smooth Federation. If you like the smooth jazz cover of Where My Heart Will Take Me that we play here on Warp 5, you're going to love Andrew's album, Besides this piece, he has nine other jazz renditions of music from across Star Trek. It's a wonderful album. Very excellent stuff there from Andrew. Go pick it up in iTunes or on Amazon. I know you're going to love that one as well. Well, thanks everyone for listening today. Join me again next week here in the Decon Chamber for another episode of Warp 5. <laughs>